Hello and welcome to the Victory Alabang podcast. You're listening to a message from our preaching series entitled Metro. Together, we'll discover God's purpose for the cities and the role we play in it. We hope this message encourages and inspires you today. Metro, very interesting topic, very interesting interesting title um, for, for a series. A metro would mean a, a train lines, you know, the, a, a series of network in, in a city. Now, there is a reason why people love going to cities. There is a reason why there's a lot of people in cities. But I believe the Bible has something to say with that. There is a scriptural, there is a biblical meaning to that. There is a representation why cities is a picture that the Bible uses Often, you would hear, you would see a lot of scriptures with the word city in it. There is a spiritual connection to that. And that's what we're going to be looking at today. Psalm 107, 1-9. It says there, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for He is good, for His steadfast love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom He had redeemed from trouble and gathered in from the lands, from the east and from the west, from the north and from the south. Some wandered in desert waste, finding no way to a city to dwell in. Hungry and thirsty, their soul fainted within them. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and and He delivered them from their distress. Verse 7, He led them by a straight way till they reached a city to dwell in. Let them thank the Lord for His steadfast love, for His wondrous works to the children of man. For He satisfies the longing soul, and the hungry soul he fills with good things. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you, God, for your word. Thank you, Lord, for what you're about to do today. Thank you, Lord, for your spirit to reveal, Lord, the things that you want to reveal. And Lord, let your word be embedded in our hearts and in our minds so that let this will change us, Lord. We thank you and honor you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. The book of Psalms. The book of Psalms is very close to Filipinos because it's all about songs. We love to sing. The people of Israel love to sing. That's why they wrote an entire book, the longest book in the Bible. It's all about songs. Many writers, majority of them David, some of them the children of Korah, and some of them unknown sources. But these are the book of Psalms is really just all about, it's a book of songs. So when we see a song, that's, that's how normally they transfer, you know, that, that's how normally they teach a word um, during the ancient times, that they would sing the word. And that's why they wrote a lot of songs to declare the goodness of God, to teach to the people of Israel who God is. So Psalm 107 is obviously still the same. That's still how it was made. It was, that's how it was written. It's a song. But at the same time, Psalm 107, according to some scholars, could represent two things. Um, this could be a song. This could mean it was a song written during the time that Israel got out of Egypt. They got out of slavery. So they wandered around the desert for 40 years, and this was their song. They were, they were in the desert ways, and they were, you know, they were waiting for, to, to find refuge, to, find, uh, to, to go to the promised land, and they were singing a song about that. Some scholar says, no, it's not the time that Israel got out of Egypt. It was the time Israel got out of Babylon. And they wandered around another desert to go back to their homeland, which is Israel. Either way, whichever is true, for the purposes of this text to be written, it actually talks about two places. It talks about the desert waste and the city. And the picture of the desert waste 
When, when, when this was written, if you read back into the text, if you have your Bibles with you, in, in, verse, in verses 2 to 6, it talks about trouble, the desert waste. In verse 5, it talks about being hungry and thirsty. In verse 6, it talks about having distress. Versus the word city, and it was described as this. In verse 7, it says it's a straight way. Verses 4 and verses 7, it's a dwelling. Verses, verse 8, it's steadfast love. Verse 8, wondrous works. Verse 9, it satisfies. Verse 9 again, good things. You see the picture of what is being written in this text. Desert wastes versus city. So immediately we see the importance of this word, a city. Now why the city? Why is the picture of a city so important in the Bible? We've, we've seen the city, how God described the city of Israel. In, in Isaiah, we talked about the city of the Lord. And there is such a picture of the word city in the Bible. Why is this so important? Does, does God not care about you know, villages and towns and tribes? He does. But I'm not talking about a physical city. When we talk about the word city, especially in the Bible, it usually talks about a representation. It, it actually is pertaining to something. It is very symbolic. The first one, the reason why it's a city, it's because it represents, because of what it represents. Cities are a place of refuge, future, and relationship. Refuge, future, and relationship. Now, uh, who among you, now, quick survey, who among you were born in the city? You're, you're born and raised in the city. Great. So whether that's Manila, Cebu, Davao, you know, the many cities in the Philippines. Who among you were not born in the city? Were born in the province? Okay. But currently, we're all in a city. We're all in Montilupa. We're all in, the, in this particular city. There are many reasons people go to cities. For, for some of them, they, 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 they would find a city as a refuge, as a place of security, as a place to be secure, not just their present life, but also of their future. They're thinking of their careers. People would move into the city to find jobs. They would move into the city to, 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 to see where their future is going to go. Some people find communities in cities. Relationships. You know, some people would move into the city to find the ultimate relationship. And that's not bad. That is great. So people have different reasons why they would gather into the city. And this, these reasons are across the board. This is a global reason. This is not just a Filipino thing. This is everywhere in the world. People would flock to cities for refuge, future, and their relationships. At the same time, when we talk about refuge, future, and relationships, the reason why this is important for what it represents is because refuge, future, relationship ultimately can only be given and provided by God. The needs in our heart that we seek the city for ultimately are needs placed there by God so that we will turn to Him and find Him. So that's what a city represents, our deep longing for God. That's why it's very important for God to talk about the city. Psalm 46, 1-3, it says here, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives away, though the mountains be moved in the heart of the sea, though it is, its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. Cities represent a deep longing in all of us that can ultimately be provided by God, whether that's refuge, comfort, 
in, in times of distress, in times like we, we feel like we're in a desert waste. We feel like we're lost in life. We feel like, you know, nothing's happening. I'm in the wilderness. God is our refuge. He is our future. He is our security. The, the understanding that God has a plan for us, that He has a purpose in our lives, makes us secure. Of we may not understand what's happening right now, but God, since God has a vision, has a purpose for my future, has a purpose, has a purpose for my life, I will be secure. And relationships, even though sometimes we feel alone, it is ultimately God who gives that relationship, the ultimate relationship. And I say that as a married guy. That ultimately, my relationship with God cannot compare to my relationship with me and my wife. That's still far better. Refuge, future, and relationships. Why the city? And it's not just because of what it represents. Because of its current state. Cities are broken. And I'll explain this with one picture. I hope you get this. What normally takes me 15 minutes... To go to the office, it's now 45 minutes, and it's the fastest route. If, if you've been in, on SLEX, the one from Susana Heights to Alabang is actually the fastest compared if you're coming from Santa Rosa, which is the worst. The tail end of the traffic of SLEX is just, ah, Lord. Here's why. I remember a conversation I had with our campus uh, director in, in Jakarta when I was there to, to consult with our campus ministry. And the traffic is just as bad. Jakarta is like a twin city of Manila. I always feel at home there. Every time I go there, I'm like, yeah, I'm still at home. I look like the people. <laughs> the traffic looks like our traffic. And he explained to me, I, so I asked him, why is there traffic? I realized they're only just building two train lines now. We have several train lines here in Manila, but it's barely enough. And in Jakarta, there's barely none. There's, there's, there, there's no metro line, okay? So I asked him about it, and he said, oh, here's the, re the reason why, because many years ago, probably 20, 30 years ago, a lot of car companies paid the government to not build trains so that people will buy cars and the government will build roads. Lo and behold, 20, 30 years after, they're all suffering from traffic. And that made me wonder, was that the same here? <laughs> Is it possible that people from the past paid our government, don't build trains, don't make it comfortable for the people because they need us, they need, we need them to buy cars from us. Now, I'm, I, I don't know. I'm not here to do a political statement on that. But I believe that statement from my friend in Jakarta was a statement of the brokenness of the people there because of our sinful nature. Because there's greed, I don't know. But that's an evidence of brokenness. There is, such some, there is something broken in the system. There is something broken, not just in the system, in character, not just in character, but in the soul. Something is wrong. Why people think like that? And normally, here in Manila, for those of you who've traveled enough, sometimes, you know, we would hear Filipinos and say, oh, in the Philippines, it's like this, you know, nothing's going to happen. But I've been in other cities around the world, and I've seen a similar brokenness. I've been to cities where um, it, it's a, it's a first-world city. All the levels of comfort are there, but they have the highest level of suicide anywhere in the world. One of the quietest cities ever, one of the oldest places on earth because people don't want to reproduce. Japan has been struggling with that. 
Tokyo is such an amazing place to go in, but the level of suicide is just astonishing. So it's like Seoul. When I got there, um, it was the... Oh, for the very first time in my life, I've never felt this in any other city. Now, if you're Korean, I'm really sorry. I'm just talking about Seoul. Okay? I'm not talking about the entire Korea. When I got there, I've never felt bad about the way I look until I got to Korea. I don't get it. I mean, in Japan, I mean, I'm, I'm fine. Like, I can wear whatever I want. But in Korea, for some reason, people have to wear a certain type of clothing. You know, people have to have a certain type of hair. If you're anything less, people are going to not look at you at all. It, it's as if you don't exist. I've never felt that. Now, I don't know if I'm just being insecure, if I felt something in the spirit, but that's how I felt. I've never felt that anywhere in the world. So a friend told me, he said, oh, it, 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 that's normal what you feel like. Why? Because, just correct me if I'm wrong, this is based from my friend. He said, oh, there's a culture here where we judge you based on how you wear. I'm like, oh, wow. Maybe I should change my entire outfit. You're, you're, you're as good as what you wear. To me, that's a level of brokenness. First world country, first world nation, first world city, amazing technology. Cities like, I remember in, in Ho Chi Minh, uh, we, we had a 10-day trip there. We went into this cafeteria. No, not even a cafeteria. It, we called them a carinderia here in the Philippines. It's uh, uh, by the side of the road, um, barely anything, All, there were street food. So we went there with some students that we were reaching out for the 10-day mission trip. We got there, we sat down, and the people started serving us food. And maybe they found out we were foreigners. It was barely anything what we ate. The equivalent of the amount we, they were asking us to pay was about 3,000 pesos. This is 3,000 pesos. I could eat, I could be spending 3,000 pesos in a, in a first class restaurant. This is a carinderia. This is, a, there's just this level of brokenness. Phnom Penh in Cambodia. I, this is one of the weirdest things I've ever seen. I'm not trying to diss these cities, I'm trying to talk about their brokenness. I've never, I, I was watching the, the TV, I would see a lot of like music videos that they have. Every music video, I kid you not, every music video, I watched like 30, someone has to die. So I asked someone about that, like, why? why? All their music videos are tragic. And someone explained, oh, because it's ah, what people like here. And apparently there's just a spirit of death. If you look back into the history of Cambodia with all the people that died there because of Pol Pot, just the level of death, people barely care if people die. In Cambodia, it was so weird to see. That's brokenness. And there's so much brokenness in the world. One of the things that hurt me in Cape Town because it was the first time I would see and I would understand what apartheid actually means. Obviously, it was, it's done already. It ended in 1994, but the traces of it still lingering. The level of separation that people judge you based on the size of your nose and how curly your hair is. That's how they define you as black. And when you're considered black, you're going to be placed in a very specific um, category where you have limited access to certain resources. They categorize people based on white, colored, Asian, or black. And when they say Asian, they're actually talking about Indians. I don't even exist in South Africa. That's the point. Because I'm not Indian. 
And they said, uh, this is how they're going to measure you. They're going to measure your nose and how curly your hair is. The moment they measure that, you're going you're gonna to be off limits to a lot of places. For people to be raised, to put racism, not just as a tease, not just as a concept, but a political thing, an actual tangible thing. We would drive by and they would, we would see signs before. Um, obviously, they removed it now. I would see a sign that says white beach. And it doesn't talk about how white the sand is, although it is a white sand. White beach talks about only whites can go here. Black beach would be full of rocks. Just the level of to be born in a place and immediately people are telling you, you're worth nothing. That's brokenness. The world is filled with that. Prostitution capital of the world, Bangkok. All these cities. The loneliness that I've felt in Melbourne, Australia. We were going around the university for a 10 days mission trip. And we, would, we, we saw she's white. When I say she's white, she's a local and she's white. And normally we think, oh, they're privileged. You know, they, they, they can mingle with whoever. We saw a white girl, a local Aussie. We approached her, introduced ourselves, introduced Every Nation Campus, started reaching out to her. And the very first thing she said, wow, thank you. No one ever does that, these kinds of things here in this university. No one has approached me. She's local. We're the foreigners. And we're approaching her. And she felt welcome. That was weird. But that was broken. That's a level of brokenness the world has. And it's keep, and the world is just keep getting broken. That's why when God said his plan, the reason why he talks about cities, because the level of brokenness of the human soul is so evident in the cities of the world. But I'm glad that it doesn't, it doesn't end there. I'm glad that the story doesn't end there. The, the heart of God for the cities doesn't just end with leaving them broken. Because he has a plan. Redemption. We saw that in the verse earlier. In fact, the entire... If, if we're going to summarize the Bible into a statement... What is the Bible? What is the story of the Bible? If I'm going to summarize that into one short statement from Genesis to Revelation. It simply is a story of redemption. A story of redeeming people from their sin out and going to eternal life through the story of one man and in one event, Jesus Christ, who died on the cross, paid with his own life because he lived a perfect life. He became the perfect sacrifice for him to die on the cross, pay for our, our sin, our shame, and our death. And after three days, he rose up again and gave us eternal life because he defeated death. Genesis to Revelation all points to that one story. It is but a story of redemption. 
In fact, if you look at your lives, if you look at our lives, our lives, if I'm going to summarize my life, it is a story of redemption. It has to be a story of redemption. It's, it, it's not a story of being poor and rising up to ranks and being rich. It's not a story about that, although that is great. It's not a story about not being successful and being successful in the future. It's not a story about, you know, whatever dreams we may have. Those are great things. But if I'm going to summarize what our lives should be, it should be a story of redemption that I was going to my eternal death. I was living in my sin. I was broken. My soul is dying. But when Jesus entered my life and he encountered me. That was the day I realized my need of a savior, my need to be redeemed. And I got saved the moment I met Jesus Christ. That is my story. That should be our story. This is us. And God's plan for the city is the same. So what do we do? What's our, our part? You know, God has, He's predictable sometimes. You know, God surprises us with so many things, but in most cases, it's very predictable. God actually has one strategy. He has one strategy to redeem the city. One strategy. He only has one strategy in redeeming a place, whether that's a nation, whether that's a city, whether that's a campus, whether that's the office. If God wants to redeem an office, if God wants to redeem a campus, if God wants to redeem a city or the nation, He has one strategy. He puts redeemed people there. So what's our part? You love the city. But how can I love traveling for two hours just to get to Alabang? I'm not even in Makati yet. How can I love that? I don't love that. <laughs> I'm not going to talk about our specific strategy. But what will a redeemed person look like stuck in traffic? a redeemed driver or a commuter look like while that person is stuck in traffic? Many reasons. Maybe it's a perfect time. God is telling me, Edre, you've been busy with so many things. Take this time to have a quiet time while you're stuck in traffic. All right, God. Maybe that's it. Or maybe there are other things. Maybe there are other things that God is teaching us. What will a redeemed person look like in an office full of politics? If God is redeeming that place by putting you there, what will that look like? So in our city, if God places us here in our city, what will the city look like if there are redeemed people in the city? Yes, we preach the gospel. We always talk about that. Yes, we evangelize. Yes, we go to our campuses. Yes, we go to our offices. Yes, we go to our businesses. Yes, we preach the gospel. But yes, apart, aside from preaching the gospel, we demonstrate the gospel by loving the city. And that could mean so many things, whether we're helping with NGOs, whether we're helping with the poor, whether we're helping with projects in the government, whether, whatever that may look like. God placed us in this city to redeem this city. But not just this city. This series is about world missions, first and foremost. Let us love the cities of the world. Let's go beyond this city. Just a few reports as I end. This is where we are now as Every Nation Ministries. We are, about, uh, we are in 18 nations. 
all over the world. <clears throat> we, are, we have 188 Filipino cross-cultural missionaries in 45 nations. Most of them are in Asia and Oceania. And in Asia, this is where we are. As the music team comes up. These are the cities that we are currently in, currently that we have work. We are in 28, 30 nations in Asia. Two more. God, two more. We're going to be in all, in every nation in Asia. We are in 148 of 3,634 cities and municipalities in Asia. There are many challenges to this. In world missions, we're always talking about, yes, we're going to be supporting, we're going to be, we're going to be asking you to go to 10 days mission trip. We're going to be asking you to support missionaries. These missionaries, these long-term missionaries, they need help. It's a very discouraging job. I've, I've had the privilege of working with them for like two weeks, and I already feel how hard their work is. And I'm just there for two weeks. They're there for like two, three years and being away from their families, being trying to look for support. These missionaries need our help, our prayers, but also our finances. And we will be getting there. We need your prayers as well. The cities of the world, these broken cities of the world. We're going to love our city. But when I say we're going to love our city, we're going to love everyone in this city. We're going to love the poor. We're going to love the politicians, as hard as that is sometimes. We're going to love the government. We're going to love all workers. We're going to love teachers and admins and businessmen. We're going to love everyone in the city. We're going to love internationals. We're going to love everyone. This is how we're going to change the world. This is how, this is the very reason why we exist as a church. This is why we're gathering here. We're not just gathering here to have a place where people can come in. Yes, we're doing that. But the reason why we're doing this and we have this series and we always talk about this is because we are called to change the world. We are called to redeem the world. But we start by redeeming this city. And then we love the other cities of the world. This is our call. And this is who we are. Thanks for listening. Make sure to subscribe and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Feel free to share this message with your friends too. For more information about our church, visit our website at www.victoryalabang.church.